0: as well as all those who worship with us online. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Before we go any further, I want to remind you of our offering. If you'd like to uh, continue to give and support the church, if you have checks or cash, there's uh, envelopes in the chairs uh, in front of you, and uh, you can fill that out and put it in the offering baskets on the way out of the service this morning. Or many people have gone online and signed up for recurrent giving. Very helpful to us. Or a lot of people use their phones. You can use the Celebration Church app right now sitting in your chair and be able to give an offering that way. And it's very helpful. And thank you for supporting the church. I want to, uh, this doesn't affect our our (laughs) campus in uh, uh, the Fox Valley, but just a shout out to the guys who've been helping uh, redo the shingles and stuff on, on the roof here at this church. God bless you for taking the time. I, I would have helped, but I, I got a shot against shingles. <laughs> don't, you know, I don't want to cause any medical problems after that. <clears throat> I don't know why you people come here. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, and just a, a quick shout out uh, earlier this week. Uh, a very dear member of our congregation, extremely faithful, one of our best volunteers, uh, Tim Newdigger. Uh, many of you know the Newdigger family. He passed away, and uh, some infection thing affected his heart. It wasn't COVID, though. It, not that it makes you feel any better, you know. But people are. It wasn't COVID. No, it wasn't COVID. And it's just one of those things, you know. 50, was he 50? 50, 51? Whatever. Pretty young to be dying. And, uh, and it just happened. You know, that's why you want to be ready, right? Always be ready. None of us knows when we're going to be checking out of this place. And you want to make sure that you're walking in a state of grace and serving our Lord. Anyway, keep the family in your prayers, if you would. Uh, the New Diggers are just a gold standard family. And it's a really a great loss to all of us. Uh, Tim's the kind of guy you can, you can just never replace, you know. And, uh, and remind you, you love, love the people around you today. Well, I have a chance, all right? I know you're irritated at your husband because he's a moron or whatever it is. You know, just, you know, he might not be here tomorrow and then you're gonna feel really, really, really bad. Okay, so uh, forgive and and love and care for one another. All right, this morning, I uh, part two of a three-part message, series of messages that are connected somewhat to this whole uh, COVID thing and these mandates and, and whatever. And I want to speak to you Uh, About that. I just want to uh, as I set this up want to remind you that uh, I opposed uh, The closing of churches from the beginning you all remember this I fought it tooth and nail and uh, I thought it was highly inappropriate Uh, in the next message I'll explain to you why these things happen and it's not always as evil as you think so anyway, just hang in there and we'll, We'll get to all that But uh, we were uh, among the first. I believe we were the first church in Green Bay to reopen. Uh, The first opportunity we had. You know, we originally closed because we didn't know what this was. For all we knew, everybody was going to die because of just all the hype around it. Uh, So we closed for whatever. Was it two months? Three months? How long was that? Two months, you know. And then I said, okay, this is crazy. And then we opened again. And you know when the the governor made his great edict as Caesar over the state of Wisconsin that uh, people can only come to church if they have masks on or that we couldn't sing or anything. And I got up the next Sunday and said, absolutely not. We are not going to enforce this. If he wants to enforce it, he can come do it himself. (laughs) So, So you know where I come down on this. I am absolutely opposed to mandates that infringe on people's liberties. I've made that extremely clear. I don't think anybody has any question on my stand on this. And I think it's really, really sad that so many people now are being threatened to lose their jobs because of this. So that's my stand on this. But let me try and explain some things. I want us to stay biblical, okay? Even, even if the unbiblical version supports my position, I'm still gonna call it out. You hear what I'm saying? I was calling out last week that this is the mark of the beast. That would really support my position against mandates. But this is not the mark of the beast. It's nothing like the mark of the beast. And if you missed that sermon, you need to go on Facebook, scroll back, and you can hear it again uh, and, and get the right context, understand what the Bible actually says. All right? Now, today I want to talk about this idea of connecting. What happens if something's connected to something that's evil? Now, we want to go to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And uh, starting at verse 14, now, Paul here uh, is talking about food that is offered to idols. He's talking about an area that I don't even know what he's talking about. I mean, I know intellectually, but it's hard to get my head around it because we just, we don't have this problem. You don't go, you know behind the counter at Festival Foods is not someone sacrificing a cow to some demigod and then making it burgers and steaks in the thing and trying to, you know, we just don't have this issue we don't have. I don't know that uh, Christians have ever had this issue except in the first century church. So when you read about it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. It would be like, you know, if they saw us talking about, you know, don't be careful when you go on Facebook not to turn into a crazy person. And uh, the early Christians would go, "What?" It would make no sense to them. Okay, it's almost that same kind of a cultural thing that just makes no sense. The other thing is in Corinthians, particularly First Corinthians, which is where this comes from. There are several places where Paul talks about things that, in all honesty, is hard to understand. I don't get it. He turns. He he talks in circles. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, where he talks about marriage. Uh, good to be single. Good to be married. Try to be single, but you have to get married. I mean, it's like I don't know what he's talking about. Very circular thing. And a couple of things that he talks about in worship, I don't know. If by God's grace I make it to heaven, I'm avoiding Paul because you know. He's, <laughs> why were you criticizing what I said? I don't know, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I was somebody. I was Becky. You know, i are gonna talk to her. But, uh, I, you know, I just don't know what he's talking about. And this is a clear example of it, of Paul's often circular thinking. I He seems to contradict himself. I don't know what he's talking about. But we'll take bits and pieces of it to try and make some kind of sense. All right. So now he's writing about this problem of Christians eating food that has been offered to idols because it would freak people out. And he says it would cause some people to stumble. How? I have no idea. I don't care what you eat. I ain't stumbling. I'm serving Jesus. I don't, to be honest, with you, I don't care what you say do or eat or dress or anything else. I ain't stumbling. How this happens, I don't get it. Anyway, he says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry, get away from all that stuff. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, but here we go. It's not the cup of thanksgiving. He's talking about communion. For which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. Yes. It's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Yes. No problem with that. Because there's one loaf. He uses the analogy, we who are many are one body. We all share the one loaf. Uh, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? So talking about when they would uh, offer sacrifices, then the food was spread around, all that kind of thing. Um... So he says, now, do I mean that food sacrificed to an idol is anything? That's the context here. Uh, Or is an idol anything? He says, no. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. Wait a minute. You just said none of this is anything. Now he's saying it's a participation of demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part both in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Okay, seems to make sense. All right, let's not eat anything offered to demons and idols and whatever. And then he talks about the freedom that we have in Christ in verse 25. So he says, so eat anything sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What? He just said, don't participate in these things. And then he says, so when you go shopping, just don't ask. It seems contradictory to me. I don't know what's going on. So he said, okay, just don't ask. All right. He says, and if an unbeliever, yes, some heathen friend, invites you to a meal. Now, this is back when pagans were everywhere and they had idols everywhere and they were all doing all kinds of crazy things. We don't have that problem today. But if one of these people invite you to a meal and you want to go, then just eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience. In other words, don't say, was this offered to a demon? Even though he said, don't eat things that are offered to demons. This is the first don't ask, don't tell policy. All right? He said, just don't ask. And he said, but if someone says to you, hey, man, this burger, this, this was offered in sacrifice,' then don't eat it. Both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Am I referring, I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Because you just said that! I don't understand. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? (laughs) So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble. How? I don't understand how this causes anybody to stumble or the Jews, Greek, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. This uh, portion of Scripture has been used relentlessly over the decades uh, by Christians who want to make other people stop doing things they don't like. Uh, For example, drinking. You know, you got a whole bunch of evangelical Christians that freak out, you know, at the idea of drinking. And you point out the Bible, this that's absurd, that's not what it says. Yeah, yeah, but but you might cause someone to stumble. And you shouldn't do anything that causes someone to stumble. First of all, how does it make someone stumble? Well, if they see you drink, they might fall back into drinking if they're alcoholics. That's just not true. Anyone who's ever been part of Alcoholics Anonymous knows they, don't, they say you don't need to stay away from people who drink. You know how many alcoholic anonymous uh, members are bartenders in bars? It's stunning. Why? Because they teach them. It has nothing to do with what anybody else does. This is what you do. It's called personal responsibility. Even alcoholics say, don't worry about it. But Christians will use this because they don't want you doing it. And, you know, you shouldn't have a TV because it could cause someone to stumble. And you shouldn't go to a movie theater because, you know, they show dirty movies. Well, yeah, but I'm going to see a Bambi movie. Well, still, it doesn't matter because it's all connected. When, when we were in Stevens Point, we, we closed that campus now, so I can, I can criticize them now. But uh, when we... <laughs> I'm just teasing. When we were in Stevens Point, we had an opportunity to meet in a movie theater before we had our own building. They charged us, I don't know where Phil is, at, it might have been $50 a week. You know how cheap that is? They were, it was virtually for free. We could gather and stuff, and people howled in opposition because it's in a movie theater. Well, so what? Well, they play nasty movies in here sometimes. Well, they're not playing any now. But it's somehow it's connected. They look for connections to everything. It's like these people who, where did this burger come from? Where did, that, did it come from an idol? And Paul says, don't ask about these goofy things. But for some reason, people are obsessed with connections. So we had to leave that place, go to a place that was <laughs> way more expensive just because of this connection. And it might cause someone to stumble. Oh, my word, I just don't understand the thinking. I know Paul talks about it. I don't get it. There's a lot of things I don't get. But two takeaways from this verse. Number one, avoid hurting another person's conscience by something you do. All right. And number two, which is very clear, he says don't look for connections to evil. Because he says it very clearly. Just don't ask. The reason I point this out is that people are obsessed, Christians have been obsessed for decades, particularly evangelical Christians, get all psychotic and crazy looking for connections to evil. And they're trying to find something. There's something somewhere, somehow, you know. And, and then they just, they come unglued over it. When the Bible clearly teaches, don't be looking for connections. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> if they found out in some history book that on this piece of property, there were a bunch of pagans that sacrificed goats and worshiped the devil. Uh, oh, oh, we can't meet here anymore. Because of a connection from centuries ago. I, I know people who, I don't know where they get this crazy stuff, but they say owls are a sign of the devil. And if you have an owl or a little picture of an owl or a statue of an owl on your property, you're inviting the devil into your house. So we need to come and get these owls and get out of it. Why? Because there's an evil connection somewhere. I mean, it's just craziness. (laughs) The reason you're crazy is not because of the owl. You got your own issues, all right? But this idea of connections has been used brutally by good people to be mean to other people. And if there's one part of the Christian experience, I mean, we're, we've, you know, Christianity, it's great, it's wonderful, but we got our issues, okay? This is one of them that just fries me to no end. And I prayed ahead of time, Lord, help me not get angry and mean when I talk about this. So I'm trying to stay calm. But here's some of the examples. If your mother was unmarried when you were born, you know what they called you? Bastard. <gasps> the pastor's cussing. No, the pastor's not cussing when he says bastard because bastard wasn't a curse word. It's used as one now. <laughs> you dirty bastard. People don't even know what it means. It just means your mother was married. when you got. Married. So what would happen is no one would play with your kids because you're a bastard, and it would have anything to do with your family. Now, what does that have to do with me? Whatever my mother's status was when I was born, you're going to look down on me and separate me from society and humiliate me and be nasty to me and my brothers and sisters there because of that? And I'm telling you, people did this. Some of you older geezers my age will remember this and time before. And these were good, supposedly good, God-fearing Christian people who acted this way. It was horrible and to their shame. Don't do that to people. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. Oh. If your father spent any time in prison, they wouldn't have anything to do with your family. Christian people, people like you and me. Why? Because of this connection, stupidity. Oh, don't, don't, don't go over there because, you know, his daddy was in prison and don't... It? So instead of thinking, you know, how about we speak into these people's lives? How about we encourage these kids? How about we love them when nobody else will love them? Is that what Christians were doing? No. Don't get mad, Mark. Just stay calm. We ostracize these people because of a connection, a connection to evil. (laughs) Racism fundamentally is rooted in connection thinking. The reason they don't like black people is because they heard that some black people did a bad thing. The reason why some people don't like Puerto Ricans like myself is because they knew about some Puerto Ricans that that robbed some people when I was in New York City, (laughs) which half the city is Puerto Rican. (laughs) It's more Puerto Ricans in New York than in Puerto Rico. (laughs) And and, the reason the race, because of the connection. It's all about connection. And godly people supposedly godly. You know, I don't think that's very godly. You know, I was just down with uh, Pastor Eric, uh, and he took over this church. He said he found in the minutes of the board meeting of this previous church, they had stated, we don't want black people coming to our church. Yeah. Okay, now we're talking a few generations back, right? But this is where Christianity was. It has been this way for decades, if not centuries, it's been this way. It's horrifying. And I see this, and it just irritates me to no end. Something is not evil because somehow there's a connection distantly, one way or the other, to something that we disapprove of. Do you know there are Christian people that oppose celebrating Easter because they claim there's a connection with pagan worship and Easter eggs? Has anybody heard this? Sure, you all heard Yeah, the hands go up. There's a lot of crazy people out there. Like, they don't have enough time to do other things. They got to search for where did an Easter egg come from? First of all, rabbits don't lay eggs. I don't even know how this works. (laughs) Have you ever considered this? Young people right now are like, oh, I never thought about that. Where did that come from? (laughs) Bunnies don't make eggs. And they say that, well, historically, if you go back to the 1300s, you know, there were some pagans who was a sign of, of sexual immorality, and that's why we don't celebrate Easter. You need a swirly, <laughs> for heaven's sakes. People wonder why they don't want to go to church. There's Christians to this day in America who refuse to celebrate Christmas because they claim there's a connection between paganism and Christmas trees. How many of you have heard this? Yep, the hands go up. I'm not making this stuff up, and it just irritates me to no end. Seriously, your problem is a Christmas tree. <laughs> Who was that that just came here? Maybe it was maybe it was Pastor Eric's wife. She came to, because they live in this. You can't go much you go much further south than they are. You're on the ocean. All right, I mean, they're south, south, south. They don't have trees like we have here. These pine trees. But she goes. Look at all the Christmas trees. (laughs) I'm looking at them. Where, where? There. No, those are just the pine trees. Those are Christmas trees where we come from. You know, so it's just fascinating. (laughs) Anybody remember backward masking? The older hands are going up now. All right. and Some of you younger ones, you're not going to believe how stupid this was. But in the 80s, I was about, 93 in the 80s. In the 80s, someone came up with this idea that there were satanic messages in rock and roll records. Oh, yeah. You remember this? Yeah. Okay. Now we get it. Oh, such a proud moment in our history. <laughs> and they had records, and you could spin them backwards. And somewhere they would hear. Did you hear that? Said Satan is Lord. It did. Because people don't even try to figure it out. But they just buy. They had protests, they were burning records and all kinds of stupid stuff. And you couldn't have anything to do with rock and roll records because somewhere, if you played it backwards, you'd hear something about the devil. Seriously, I'm more concerned about stuff I can hear forward from the devil. <laughs> and we could have nothing to do with them. Why? Because there was a connection. Look out for the connections. <laughs> it's connected to something. And don't even get me started and all the psychotic objections that will be raised over the next week due to Halloween. <laughs> Talk about a bunch of crazy people. Hey, that's worshiping. That's, that's the devil's day. The devil doesn't have a day. Actually, the devil has a day every day. He's out there destroying lives. He doesn't need Halloween. Some little kid dressed up as a monkey running around isn't worshiping the devil. And then Christians, you know, we play this stupid game. Instead, we have our special own Halloween celebration. We call it, uh, what do we call it? (laughs) Harvest, our harvest festival. So, how how come we don't do that anymore, Pastor? Because that's stupid. And I'm in charge now. (laughs) We ain't doing stupid anymore. Harvest festival is just our Christian version of Halloween. You want to go dress up and run or get some candy? Go in your neighborhood. Why are we working? You know why? Because of the connections. We're trying to break the connection. You're trying to break connection. Oh, but pastor! Halloween is, is about the devil. It's not about the devil. Well, you see all these, you know, people like they're dead and stuff. You know, good, good. Halloween's the one day of the year where people are faced with the fact that they're all gonna die. <laughs> I like her. Keep her on the front row here. This is good. <laughs> Anybody who laughs a lot of my stuff this is number one in my book. They need to know they're gonna die. People go around and think nothing's ever gonna happen to them. People get to, well, this scares me. Good, you should be scared. Well, what happens after we die? I'm glad you asked. Should give us an opportunity to share our faith with people. Which brings me to this idea of the vaccines. Don't go crazy, just listen. All right? And again, I'm not trying to mess with anyone's conscience. Paul said, don't mess with their conscience. If your conscience won't let you touch it because of what we're about to talk about, then so be it, and I mean that sincerely. But I want you to know what the Bible actually, how this actually works. A lot of people are, have a problem with this vaccine because it says it's connected to fetal cells, particularly this one called HEK-293, which means human embryonic kidney cells, 293. Now, these, the reason why it's 293, what they were trying to do is get cells that would self-replicate they would have to keep doing this over and over and over again. It took them 293 times before it finally worked. That's why it's called H-E-K-293. And researchers have been using this line of self-replicating cells. That came originally from an aborted fetus. Now, the researchers, and these aren't Bible people. I don't know, they even care about the Bible. They said, look, this fetus was taken from an abortion take, uh, that was done in the Netherlands in the 70s where it was illegal to have abortions except to save the life of the mother. So everyone assumed this was taken from one of those to save the life of the mother was this fetus, and they took these cells from there. So how do you know they're just not lying? Because all the other lines all freely admit that they took it from abortions just for the heck of it. They don't care. These guys to say literally, it was taken in this. Virtually every right-to-life organization has a no problem with that. I checked. We checked with Wisconsin's right to life. Had someone check with national right to life. They all say they don't have any problems with this. And this was done decades ago. And the only reason to have a fit is because somehow it's connected to something that is evil. Now, I don't think you should get the dumb shot anyway. But not because of that. I think... And you want to get it, knock yourself out. I don't care. I don't think they force people. That's what I should say. If you've got medical objections, fine. If you've got other religious objections, which I'll point out one for you. So if you need one, I'm going to give you one. Don't despair. But just, and I'll tell you what, if you start going to your employer and saying you're having a problem with it because it's tied to fetal cells, they'll know you're crazy. And they'll likely turn you down because they know right to life and everybody else doesn't have a problem with this. Virtually any religious organization in the world doesn't have any problem with this. This is only from an evangelical kind of thinking that something is evil because somewhere it's touched, connected to something. If this is so far removed from that event by now, it's unbelievable. And by the way, according to Fox News, Tylenol, pepto Ibuprofen, Benadryl, and Claritin are all tied to those same lines. <laughs> People are going, What does that mean? Listen, do you know how many medical advances have been done by working on cadavers, right? Do you know who these cadavers were in the beginning? Thieves, murderers, people who nobody had anything to do. They take their bodies and they do scientific. You have no idea how many scientific medical things that you benefit from today because somehow it's connected to somebody who killed somebody 200 years ago. Well, then we should look out for it. No, stop. Everything is connected to evil somewhere. The only way you're not going to get this is if you. No, there's no way. (laughs) There's just no way. Everything's connected to something. Even our Lord's birth is connected to evil. Look in the beginning of the Christmas story. You have those genealogies. It mentions so and so was the father, so and so was the father, so and so. Only four women are named. In all those centuries, four, four of them were women of ill repute. The beginning of the Christmas story had ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> you got no hoes, you got no Christmas. <laughs> the worst one was Bathsheba. You remember David? King David comes down. He looks down, he sees a woman taking a bath, which, by the way, ladies, curtains. Anyway, he looks at her and goes, ooh, Hoshi oh, Mama. And he's already got like 12 wives. He seduces the girl, has sex with her, gets her pregnant, and murders her husband so he can marry her. And of all these women, who do you think was the mother of Solomon? She was. Who do you think he became the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus himself? She did. And she has no business being there. Well, then that pollutes everything. No, it doesn't pollute anything. That's my point. Things are not automatically evil because somewhere you can trace it to something that was evil. And by the way, don't get angry, Mark. Don't get angry. If there's some... Who's a famous preacher today? Who? Mark Hunger? Oh, I love you guys. All right, let's take Mark Gunger. All right, if Mark Gunger, because he's really amazing, uh, if he does something really bad, every Christian bookstore in the world will take my books off the shelves. They'll do that for anybody, you know, any famous preacher. If they find, they immediately will remove all that stuff. Because now it's all evil. Why? Because it's connected to this man who did something evil. Never mind that these have been sent uh, decades of work that have been positive and helped people. They will immediately remove it from the shelves. But look how inconsistent we are. One of our favorite books in the Bible is what? The book of Psalms. Written by a man who commits adultery, lies about it, cheats, and murders somebody. If we were like modern-day Christians, we would rip the book of Psalms out because it's connected to evil. Stop it. We need to stop this. There's all kinds of other ways you can make your points without trying to make some connection somewhere and freaking people out. Do not listen to people who try to give you connections. And if you're a connector, you need to stop it. All right. Now, First Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's a verse you can show to your employer. I believe my bodies, and it is. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And all you got to do is say, I have a problem with it because I want to protect this body. I just wouldn't go into this chasing of, of things that they're not going to take you seriously. And you're not likely to Prevail. Um, we have been issuing letters to people who are members of our church, and their employees have asked for verification that they're devout people. Uh, the vast majority of them have been accepted, um, which, thank God, I have gotten all kinds of requests from people outside of our church for me to please give them a letter. No, I'm giving you Jack. I don't even know you. You know, you want me to verify your faith? I'm not going to do that. Goodness gracious. Go to your own pastor. He won't give it to you. Then come to my church. Not going to do this. I don't know you. But the truth is you shouldn't even have to do this. But everybody's going to have to fight this out on their own. Eventually this stuff's all going to go to courts. And uh, who knows how it's going to end up. And I don't even really know. My next message, it won't be next week. It's going to be the following week. It's going to wrap this all up. But, uh, uh, don't think that the courts are going to necessarily rule on on positively. on By the way, we have been guilty of forcing people to do things they don't want to do for a really long time. Everybody think this is new. When I preach, not this Sunday, but next, I'll be here next Sunday, but the message will be next Sunday after that. Uh, you're going to hear our nation's history. We have for many, many long times, you know, over the last couple of hundred years, done things and robbed people of their... Uh, uh, liberties over all kinds of things, and I want to point this out to you. In, in a sense, trying to calm people down because they're oh, this is the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. The world's coming to an end, but it's not today. All right. Uh, but Procter and Gamble has really gone over the line. They asked to for me to prove our religious beliefs about vaccines and support documenting cooperation, and all this stuff. is way over the line. I don't answer to Procter & Gamble. They can stick it in a loving, kind way. Yeah. I contacted uh, Representative John Mako uh, and asked him, can they do this? And he, they searched it, and he came back with this letter, which he's sending. Have you sent it? They're sending it tomorrow or whatever. But it says... Uh, In part, he says, a corporation has no right or ability to seek doctrinal, doctrinal information from an affiliation or religious institution as a basis for assessing validity of an individual's applicant's claimed personal religious beliefs. Federal law and related courses have recognized many different types of religious beliefs which need only be sincerely held by the individual in question and do not need to be reinforced by any official in any particular religious institution. That's why all our letters, our letter doesn't say what Celebration Church believes. Why? It's irrelevant. It only matters what you believe. That's how this should be. And we validate their faith. But they come back and want me to prove it from our church, you know. (laughs) The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which enforces employer non-discrimination laws, has issued guidance relating to the interaction of non-discrimination laws and employer vaccination requirements. The employees own first-hand explanation may be sufficient and a third-party verification is unnecessary. Employers who unreasonably request unnecessary or excessive corroborating evidence, as Procter & Gamble is doing in this case, risk being held liable for denying a reasonable accommodation request and having their actions challenged as retaliatory or as part of a pattern of harassment. Additionally, the EEOC guidance provides that, quote, the employer should ordinarily assume that an employee's request for religious accommodation is based on a sincerely held religious belief, practice, or observance. Therefore, please rescind your request for verification and discontinue this practice. Respectfully, John Mako, Representative, Wisconsin 88th District. <laughs> now, we don't know what they're going to do with this. Hopefully, they freak and panic and stop this. The reality is you don't need me to validate anything. All of this is supposed to be on an individual's religious belief. Uh, And that should be enough. At some point, some will still trample on your rights. The only recourse, you're either going to have to quit your job if you're so offended by it, uh, or you're going to have to take them to court. And it's going to take a long time to figure this stuff out. In the meanwhile, God is still alive. Life is not over. Uh, and, uh, And be careful. Be careful. This will send some of you, and I'm going too long, but it's an important thing. My advice, this is just my advice. It's, uh, the only thing based on it biblically is the Bible says we are just to uh, financially take care of those whom we are responsible. Uh, Paul wrote, if you don't take care of your own family, you're, less, you're worse than an infidel. That was those really strong words. My advice, unless you can easily leave your job and go find another job of equal pay and stuff like that, I would not give up my job based on this situation. That's me personally. You say, you don't like this. You're right, I don't like it. I don't think it should be uh, forced on anybody. I don't have a religious objection to it because I just don't see one. Uh, But that's me. Everybody has their own conscience and you can make your own statement and I support all of that. Again, because I don't think you should be forced in it in the first place. Uh, but it's hard to come up with a religious heart other than your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Quite frankly, you know what is a religious exemption or a religious teaching? You should lay down your life for others. Ooh, we will not like that, right? What if I get this and I, and I die? Well, you'd be very biblical. All right, now that's me. I'm just, you need to take care of your family. Listen to me. If you're making $100,000 a year and you're going to quit your job to get, go working at Walmart as a greeter, you're not taking care of your family. I think you're freaking out and say, well, what if I get sick? Well, you know what? We do these things. We lay down our lives in service to others. First of all, how about have some faith and pray to God that you don't get sick? <laughs> don't get mad at Make your own decisions. I'm showing you how to do this, the best way to do it. Uh, but uh, we need to be careful about these things and think them through. Next, next next Sunday, but the following Sunday, I'm going to wrap this up, explaining what all of this is based on and how we should proceed as people of faith. All right. Let's have our ushers come for our time of communion as we wrap up our service. Chop, chop, because I went too long. Uh, It's hard to say this. I I could say double. I didn't even hit everything in my notes. Uh, We just don't have the time. Uh, Everybody okay? All right. (laughs) Everybody still love their pastor? (laughs) Okay. Look, I'm for you. I I disagree with this stuff intensely. But uh, be careful with the steps that you make about it. All right, let's have our ushers come forward as we get ready to go into our time of communion. The Bible says before we do this, we should examine ourselves. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Let me pray a general prayer of forgiveness over everyone. Heavenly Father, before we partake of this bread and cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. Father, if we've sinned against you in any way, I ask by your grace that you would forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of unrighteousness. Help us, Lord, to walk in love towards people. Help us not to be attacking and criticizing others based on connections that we manufacture or have heard from others. Help us to walk in grace so that we might receive grace. And as every head's bowed, if you've, you're here this morning, you're watching online our, our campus in, uh, in uh, the Fox Valley, if you've never asked Jesus in your life, now would be a great time to do it. Just ask him. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. And you can start experiencing this glorious faith that we celebrate here today.